This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to the program. Welcome to Hour 2. Bottom of the hour, Thomas Hickey from the Islanders Broadcast stops by. And as I mentioned off the top of the show, Noah Dobson is not Quinn Hughes. Noah Dobson is not Kale McCarr. But Noah Dobson should very much be in that conversation for top five candidates for the Norris Trophy. That's how well he's played, specifically uh, with Adam Pellick out of the lineup. So we'll talk to Thomas Hickey coming up at the bottom of the hour. In the meantime, uh, fresh off seeing both the Maple Leafs and Columbus Blue Jackets skate, and that includes Adam Fantilli, uh, who plays his first NHL game in Toronto, is the one and only Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada. Hello, Fridge. You know, good morning. Speaking of uh, Fantilli today, um, yes. I asked him about uh, taking some face-offs. And okay. uh, he, you know, he said that Trocheck was really good, and statistically, that's the case. Um, yeah. So I wasn't, I wasn't overly surprised to hear that. But he talked about taking one face-off against Crosby. And I said, did he do the slap move on you? And he said, yeah, and he beat me. And (laughs) I I, I said to him, he beats everyone with that. And he goes, I knew it was coming, and I thought I had him, and he still beat me. And he was kind of laughing about it. The slap move is undefeated. Yeah. Uh, listen, we've seen him gobble up. Listen, we saw him gobble up Connor Bedard on Game One, opening face-off of the uh, yeah. of the season in North America, and he'd probably been thinking about it all summer long as well. Uh, I, I do want to get your thoughts on Cross because, listen, another great performance by him last yeah. night, three points, and he's having a tremendous season. And you just hope that the Penguins, as a team, don't squander it. Um, but any takeaways from around the rink? I mean, I'm always curious when you uh, when you go to these skates and get a chance to, to talk to players, coaches, whomever from both sides. What's the vibe around both these two teams? Like tonight, Columbus faces off against Toronto. Uh, the big story is Adam Fantilli returns. Uh, he yep. grew up just a little bit north of Toronto, played in the GTHL, etc. Yep. Um, what's the, the vibe around both these squads? Well, you know, I think um, Columbus, there's a, I mean, they're excited for Fantilli tonight. I think he's playing for free tonight, Jeff. It really sounds like it. Oh, I bet. Um, yeah, so yeah. many tickets he had to buy. Yeah, so, you know, the the one thing about the Columbus guys is they're they're talking a lot about we're, we're better than our record shows. I, I think they're trying to uh, sell that vibe uh, just generally and, and probably yeah. in, in some degree even to themselves. Like just, you know, like it's, it's tough, you're behind, it's a big hole, but, you know, one thing you can do, the, the thing you control is yourself, right, and your own mental approach. So I see a team that's trying to sell the approach that we're better than we've shown and it's our goal to prove it. So I, I, I really got that uh, impression. I had a chance to talk to Erica Branson a bit. I know he did a sit-down. Uh, Luke Gazdick put out a uh, teaser yes. um, uh, uh, on on his Twitter account, but I, I had a chance to talk to him a little bit too. And you know, the one thing that he um, he said to me, I don't really like being the center of attention, and which I thought was kind of funny. <laughs> um, but you know, he did say that um, he made it clearly, as respectfully as he could that he thinks that's a very dangerous play and they've got to get it 
uh, out of the game. And, uh, you know, he said that uh, he thought about different ways he could have played it. Um, but he said one of the problems was, and I have to go look at it, but he says, look, if you go back and look at it, you see the puck isn't flat on the ice. Like, it's bouncing. And so it eliminates the things he can do to make that play safer for himself. But um, he was pretty vocal. I mean, for Toronto, it sounds like they've got some uh, health and sickness uh, issues uh, going on tonight. So we'll see what team shows up in, in warm-up. Um, those are some interesting comments from Good Branson as well. And because uh, I've gone back and looked at that hit too and said, okay, if you're cousins, what do you do, if anything, different? And I probably say nothing. Like as the F1, the, 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 the first four checker in, it's your job to separate player from puck. And if all that Good Branson is doing is presenting numbers and you're both going for the exact same spot as you both go around the nets, if Cousins pulls up and gives him a free pass around the net and an easy exit, um, that's not going to be an easy conversation on the bench for Nick Cousins. And if I'm Eric Branson on that play, I'm not sure what I can do either because I'm trying to get that exact same spot. The only thing that I keep coming back to here, and you and I talked about this on the last podcast, we're de- what we're dealing with here is we're trying to apply a tactical solution that really should have a strategic conversation around it, i.e., the minute you said, you know, you can't hold up a, uh, an F1 anymore, you can't hold up the forechecker or interfere or shade um, uh, the forechecker, like we used to see, you know, pre-2004 lockout, all of a sudden it became open season on defensemen. And I'll be honest yeah. with you, Elliot. I'm surprised that we don't see that more. UCF1's coming into the zone, and they are flying. Not that they're always taking strides into a hit, but even Glide. Like, Glide in the NHL right now is faster than ever. Faster than ever, because there's no interference. And guys are flying. I'm I'm more surprised that we don't see that more often, to be honest with you. As horrible as that may sound. A couple of things coming off uh, uh, of the Jeff Merrick screed there. Um... Number one, Good <laughs> uh, Branson talked about that. I said, I actually brought up that point. Like, if you bail out on that puck, you're a wimp. And if Cousins yep. doesn't make the play that you're talking about, um, you know, his coach is saying, why am I putting you out there on that line? Because you're not going to make the, the play. And Good Branson's answer to that yeah. was, was really fra- fascinating. He said that, when I know I have a guy who's really vulnerable, I go in hips first. Um, because that generally lifts, or he says, I try to. He said that um, uh, he, you know, because then he says the force is generally up, right? Um, he right. said that if you look at Cousins, he goes in like upper body first. So it really launches you. And that's the issue that he said he had with that play is that there's a way you can go in where you don't, where you still make the hit, but you don't launch yourself with as much force. Now we did talk about the tan of play and I didn't think that was as egregious as the other four or the other three. Cause I thought Mm -hmm. Colton came in more from the side as opposed to the numbers. I will say that someone else said to me that one of the big challenges with Tanev is that he's light. Like when with Goodbranson, 
when you hit him, uh, um, you know, you really have to hit him to move him because he's a big, thick, strong guy. Yeah. And he said it doesn't. it's not an excuse for Tanev to be hit illegally, but he's lighter than a lot of other players. And um, mm-hmm. But, you know, Jeff, we were talking on the pod this week about uh, boarding penalties. I think there have been two this week. Like, one of them was really bad. It was on Matthew Joseph. Um, like, he was hit from behind. And the other one was a Jeff Carter hit, but I haven't seen it yet. So, and then again, I haven't seen anything that's been incredibly egregious. Like, the Joseph one was really bad and should have been a penalty. But I, aside from the Tanev one, which was really close, I don't know if I've missed any. Have I missed any other ones that were really egregious? Um, not that I have seen, um, but again, we've got eight games tonight and we'll see what the evening brings around the NHL. Oh, one yeah. thing that I want to, I'm, I'm curious about this when I was trying to make this point off the, off the top of the show. And like, I would have to imagine there are some teams around the NHL that over the last, what is it now? 23 hours have looked at Jacob Zaboral on waivers and said, you know what? That's a good third pairing guy for us at a, at a, at a decent number as well. Do you think Saboral gets claimed here? I think he's got as good a chance to be claimed as as anyone I've seen on waivers this year. Um, you know, the early in the season, I remember a guy telling me, an executive telling me early in the season, if a guy's on waivers, you already knew there was the chance. Like at the beginning of the season, you sit down, you look at teams, um, and you look at their um, you know, you look at their roster situation and you know who's on the bubble or uh, who might be in the AHL. You generally have a really good feel of who's going to be on waivers and you make your targets and you say, if this guy's going to be there, that's the guy we're going to go after. Zaboral, I don't necessarily mm-hmm. think, I, I don't know, like, I, I think he would have been borderline just because of, not because he's not good. But because Boston as a team is just has a lot of good defensemen, right? So I got to think people thought it was possible that this was going to happen at some point this year. Um, I do think that, but I, I wouldn't want to handicap it. Like I said, I do think there's as much chance. And the, the thing is here, it sounds like the agent here, who I, I believe is still Alan Walsh, um, you know, got out and said, if he's not going to play here, give him an opportunity. I think generally, mm-hmm. Jeff, in those cases, those players are available before they go on waivers. Right. So you would suspect he had been offered up. Uh, but again, I would on, suspect on waivers, that. It's, but, yeah, it's, it's a free player. I was going to say, I was gonna say that, that's trade, just it. It's a free player if he's on waivers. The only problem with that as opposed to a trade right now is that now you've got to have cap room to do it. And how many teams have it? Um, okay. Uh, in your notes at uh, the latest 32 Thoughts blog at sportsnet.ca, and a lot of this we'll get more into detail on the podcast. It'll come out tomorrow morning. I- I'm curious about Zach Parisi skating. And yep. at the uh, here's a guy who's coming off a 20-goal season. So it wasn't as if Zach Parisi was just hanging on with the New York Islanders. And it looks like, you know, if you look, if you look at the relationship between Lou Lamarillo and this player, um, you know, this would be the default if you're Zach Parisi and probably a default if you're, if you're Lou Lamarillo. Um, any idea if slash when this could be happening? 
No, I don't. I looked into it actually last week when I heard he was skating, and I was told, you know, kind of premature to speculate anything like that yet. Um, but like, he, apparently, he's continued to skate, so it's it's something that um, you know it, it is a possibility here. Uh, um, but you know, the Islanders like. Once again, I'm 0 for 10,000 at figuring out Lou Lamorello's plans, right? So, <laughs> actually, I think the only yeah. one I ever got right was that he was in on the Horvat deal. Um, but, uh, like, like, I just heard he's skating, and, you know, like, if you're skating right now, you're either doing it for fun or you're thinking about it, mm. and everybody knows how much... Lou Lamorello loves Zach Parise. And the other thing, too, is the Islanders have quietly, yeah. like Noah Dobson's had a phenomenal season, but quietly they've oh, yeah. started that. Like some of the pickups they've made, like that Mike Riley pickup on waivers, that's been a really, really good, good, really good move for them. Really good move for them. So they know him, uh, they like him, and I think yeah. there's a spot for him. You know, uh, I'm going to talk more about the Islanders with Hickey, but since you brought up Noah Dobson, you know, the the only the only knock against Dobson is when he's not playing, you know, he he doesn't spend a lot of time on the top pair. Um but with yeah. Pelic out, he's getting uh, he's he's getting a lot of time on the top pair and he looks really good. You know, one yeah. of the arguments against someone like Jonathan Huberto a few years ago um, for the Hart Trophy was he wasn't playing top line for the for the Florida Panthers. He was getting second. He was getting second assignment and playing against uh, other teams' second lines. Um, and for a lot of people, myself included, I'll be transparent. That's why I didn't have Huberto up on my list in the for the for the Hart Trophy balloting. That's about the only thing you can say negative about Noah Dobson. But so far, with all the injuries to the back end, Noah Dobson's playing a ton of minutes. He's playing. He's getting top assignment every single night. And I mentioned off the top, like he's not Quinn Hughes or Kale McCarr yet, but he's got to be in the top five conversation around the NHL, Elliot. He's been dynamite for the Islanders. Yes, he has. And I, I think the only, you know, I, I, I think the only reason he, he doesn't get it is probably just not enough people know who he is yet. Um, you know, but he, he had, you know, last year he started slowly. I thought he, two years ago, he had a really good year. Last year he started slowly. I thought he finished really well. And this year he's been great, especially at the time, as you mentioned, because of the injuries, the allergies really need him. Like sometimes you don't know if a guy's, as you said, you don't know if a guy's capable of a number one role. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, man, we're about to find out if you're really capable for the number one role. And he's done a good job. And when I've seen him play together, with Romanov, I really like the pair. Um, you know, look, the Islanders—they're—they're yeah. they're coming now. They—they um, uh, they give their fans heart attacks, but they're—they're they're coming now. They—you they, <laughs> know, the one thing about them is they don't blow. Like one fan was was texting me last night or sending me DMs, and he's like, "How come it's never easy?" And I said, "You don't really have the kind of team that's going to blow people out. Like you're not going to score eight goals a game." So you play grinding games, and that's just the way it is. You're not built to do that. And he said it would be. I, my heart would feel a lot better if they were built to do that. And I, I kind of laugh, but they have their identity, and it's working for them now. 
Um, the Drew Bannister era with, with St. Louis begins tonight. It is uh, the Blues yep. and the Ottawa Senators. Again, we'll park more time on the podcast, but just your, your thoughts on what we've seen over the past couple of days. Um, Craig Berube dismissed as a head coach. Drew Bannister comes in. A couple of changes uh, to the lineup. You would expect that specifically. Um, what do you expect here now with the, with the St. Louis Blues without the only coach who ever brought that organization a Stanley Cup? Um, I think this. I think that it will be very different for them because Barube was such a dominating presence. And I say that in a good way. Like, he coached like he played, honest, blunt, in your face, don't back down, challenging you. Um, And I think, like, in a lot of ways, he was kind of the dominant personality on the team. And your coach has to have a presence I think that's very important, but I I don't know if your coach should um, be the most dominating personality that you have. I don't know if that's probably in a lot of ways should be a player. But so I think that'll be very different. Um, You know, the issue that the the Blues had, I think, was in in their own zone. They had a lot of trouble. Like one of the things they talked about was the power play yesterday, and they've hired Brad Richards as a, a consultant, but... It's interesting because I looked it up, like in terms of amount of time spent in the offensive zone on the power play, they're actually very good. They just don't score. They have the second worst power play goal in the league. So on some level, you should be able to create yourself some more chances. Defensively, though, Jeff, they're not like someone said to me yesterday, like they're D zone. They really have to fix. Um, And, uh, you know, Doug Armstrong said when we play poorly, we make our D and goalies look bad. And I, I, if you do look at the underlying numbers, they are very, very poor for them uh, when, they, when it comes to how they defend in their own zone. Like in almost every way, defending the slot, defending the rush, it's, it's kind of all over the place. Um, tonight, we'll see the St. Louis Blues facing off against the Ottawa Senators. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning take on the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, listen, everything's grooving right now for Edmonton. Uh, Tampa, not so much. I don't think this is the record that they thought they would have uh, at this point in the season. I'll tell you, I got a, I got a text from an agent yesterday who said, uh, my hot take of the season continues. Tampa doesn't make the playoffs. And I just responded like I don't bet against Tampa. Like I don't, I don't say yeah, things like I've been burned too many times. Is this the same agent who was counting, complaining counting that Tampa, uh, Tampa Bay Lightning? Is this the same agent who's complaining that goalies can't split a million dollars? Yes, that is the exact same agent. I normally get an audit of the show from one specific agent after every show. I get one thing, whether a correction or an addition from one specific agent. It's like we don't get air checks anymore. Remember when we started in the industry, Elliot, in the mid-90s, and you would get air checked all the time? Uh, That doesn't happen in our industry anymore. I get my air checks now from one very specific agent. But, yes, it's that that same guy. Uh, But do you have a quick thought on on Tampa and what they're going through right now? That's your air check. Um, <laughs> okay, very good. Do you have a thought on Tampa here? Well, I, I think Kucherov, like Crosby, is having an MVP-level season. Um, I, 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 I'm unbelievably impressed by how well he's played. I just, you know what, like, um, I... 
I just think, you know, Vasilevsky, he's getting back to himself. I just think they're thinner, uh, honestly, Jeff. You know, there's two things you need in the, there's three things you need in this league. You need star power, you need depth, and you need goaltending. They have star power. They're, you know, Vasilevsky will get back to Vasilevsky. He's shown certainly signs of it, but they don't have depth. And, like, I see the same thing when I watched Pittsburgh last night. Like, when Sidney Crosby's on the ice, like, they're capable of doing everything. But when some of their deeper lines are on the ice, they're just not, they're not dangerous. And Pittsburgh's also had the issues with the power play, which scored at least last night. But, you know, Tampa, I, I just think for years and years and years and years, what separated them was all three of those things. They had star power, they had goaltending, and they got depth. And now I just don't think they have the depth anymore, Jeff. And I think that's allowed some teams to take advantage of them. I also think, too, like, I do think that they try to manage the wear and tear on their top players. Um, you know, like, those guys play a lot. They they take a lot of responsibility. And I just think that now, it, now they expend so much energy making it I thought it took a toll on them last year in the first round. And I I see that possibility again. They just expect so much of their stars. They don't have the depth. I wonder if they get there, will they be kind of worn down again? It's funny, too, because I have that same concern about the, you just talked about the New York Islanders. I have the same concern, too, because they grind every single game. They yeah. play hard every single game. There's no, uh, we're going to surf on the skill. Uh, we're up 5-1 to one going into the third. We can take the foot off the pedal. They have to play the full 60 minutes every single game. Um, a couple of things from your latest blog. Um, Ethan Bear and the march to Washington continues? Yes, I just think it's a matter of when that's going to happen. Jeff, talk for 30 seconds. I just need to deal with something. Okay, uh, let's see. A couple of other things we'll mention with Elliot here when he comes back after dealing with whatever he has to deal with for 30 seconds of his life here. Um, The David Perron appeal is an interesting one as well. And I think we saw a preview of the David Perron appeal um, the evening after he was suspended for six games from his agent, Alan Walsh, and all the videos that he put out. Um, We all know that that will be part of this process. We have Elliot back who escaped escaped the buzzsaw that is my questioning here for 30 seconds. Um, No, no, no. I I, I just wanted to say... When it comes to, yeah, I think that's going to get done. I think, you know, one of the things that is the issue here is when you're going to sign a contract, I think a couple of the things you you take a look at is um, I I think what you take a look at is things like immigration, uh, you know, what Mm -hmm. paperwork has to um, be added to it. Um, I, I think that's, those are the kinds of situations that you're looking at here. You know, the other thing, too, is um, Bear is on an insurance deal where he's being paid based on a $3 million salary. They took out insurance on him mm-hmm. before he got hurt last year. And I believe that the contract is going to come in at about uh, $2 million a year. So until you're ready... 
why sign it? I think that's kind of the issue here, too. So they're going to get everything sorted out. I think the biggest question, Jeff, is now is what's going to happen on Washington's blue line? Because they're not bringing him in. Like, he'll take a couple of days to get ready and acclimated and some practices, but they're not bringing him in to sit. So I'm curious to see what's going to give there. Uh, a couple of other things in the couple of moments that I have left with you. Um, the David Perron appeal. Like, I think we all saw yeah. a preview of what this is going to look like uh, yeah. with Alan Walsh's tweets the, the, the other night. Um, did you have a, a, a thought on, on, on this one, the, uh, the the Perron appeal? I mean, this this situation, and listen, I know a lot of it was, and a lot of it is Red Wings fans that feel it's only their bull is getting gored here. What about Joseph and Parker? And here's Dylan yeah. Larkin lying on the ice. And how come nothing? That, I, I get it. I I understand it. Uh, I understand all of the emotions that are involved here. Um, but we saw a preview uh, of what the appeal is going to sound and look like. Do you think it goes anywhere? Well, first of all, Jeff, I, I think after taking a deep breath and you know what the red wings can speak for themselves but i kind of heard that they when they kind of calmed down and and thought about it and like one of the things about like steve eiserman and i don't speak for eiserman i don't proclaim to do that but one of the things about eiserman is someone reminded me of again this week is he's generally a guy who's kind of like let the players sort it out. He's not someone who really likes to see a lot of penalties and things yeah. like that. And I heard once the Red Wings sat and rewatched it, they were kind of they kind of understood why the calls ended up as they did, and they knew Perron was going to get suspended. But I think they're all talking about how they know you. Oh, you know, like, oh that's awesome. thanks very much. You too. Take care. Um, they, uh, I, I think, once it was over they kind of recognized there was going to be a suspension, but I think they were hoping, Jeff, it would be like four yeah. games. I, I think they were really hoping it wasn't going to be six. Now, you have made the point this year, and I think that you're absolutely right, is that you know Gary Bettman is not going to disagree with George Barrows. He's, going to ba- he's not going to give his Department of Player Safety a vote of no confidence. And as you also said... I think we all know what the appeal is going to be because Alan Wall splashed it all over Twitter. So, um, yeah. I, I, so I would expect Batman to back his uh, back his employee, and it's going to stay at six. Now, because it's at least six games, they can take it to an independent arbitrator, and that has had some success over the past few years. Uh, Tom Wilson was dropped from 20 to 14. Dennis Weidman was dropped from 20 to 19. The problem, Jeff, is the timing. Uh, tonight will be Perron's third game. And, you know, like, yeah. even even though, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Weidman was dropped to 19 to 10. To 10 sorry, he was dropped from 20 to 10. He'd already missed 19 games. Even though Wilson was dropped from fourteen, uh, from twenty to fourteen, he'd already missed sixteen games. So the history is now you don't get the games back, but you do get money back. So the history is, Jeff, can they get this done before Perron's suspension is up? 
We'll see how that's uh, how that plays itself out. Speaking of uh, appeals slash grievances, the NHL Players Association and the Corey Perry grievance. Like I can understand this from the PA's point of view, not wanting a precedent set based on yes. what happened with Corey Perry and what the uh, what the discipline was. So I do understand that even if the player says, I don't want to file a grievance, this one is about future players and other situations for the Players Association, unless, to your point, they create a specific carve-out for this one situation. Yeah, you know, Jeff, uh, one of the uh, things that I, I've written about and I've talked about it with you is that I remember in Patrick Berglund's case especially, and that was in 2018, yeah. when Buffalo terminated his contract, the Players Association wanted to fight it. And Berglund refused. He's like, no, I'm not doing it. And, and the, he was done. And he was done. And so the Players Association was like, okay. And, and they, but they were mad about it. And it wasn't just one person who told me they were mad about it. It was several people. But they were like, if the player's not going to do it, we can't do anything about it. Now, so I've generally had that opinion when it comes to this. I think Nick wrote this today in his column, too. Um, like, there's generally a feeling like you cannot let this one stand. And even if the player says no, and we don't know what Perry's doing, at least I don't know what Perry's doing, even if the player says no, I've been told that there is a big uh, conversation behind the scenes of we cannot allow that to pass. And the reason is, yeah. look, I'm not trying to minimize anything. I, I don't know. Ex- I, I think I have a pretty good idea of what happened here, but I don't know exactly, and it's, it's crazy to guess when you don't have all the details. Um, but yeah. um, in terms of grounds to terminate, it it's not as it, it doesn't go as far as some of the other reasons. And the, the agents and the players and the players association, they don't want this this specific violation to be say, okay, we can terminate a deal. Now, as you said, there have been car votes before. There was, I can't remember which one it is, and I'm looking for it. I'm going to ask someone. But there was one specific, I think it was a discipline situation, where there was a car vote, where the two sides reached a deal, and they said there aren't going to be any, this can't be used as precedent anywhere else. And that has happened in the past, but the two sides have to agree to it. More on this one. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about this on the podcast. That'll come out tomorrow morning. Um, it's a busy day. Uh, the Maple Leafs are facing off against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Seven other games on the go around the NHL this evening, including Edmonton and Tampa, Florida, facing off uh, against the Vancouver Canucks. That should be a juicy one. Uh, we'll talk to you later on this afternoon for the the next installment uh, of you and I talking about hockey, also known as 32 Thoughts, the podcast. Thanks, Fridge. We'll uh, right. talk to you in a couple hours. Take care, Jeff. Be well.